I want to encourage you to do the same thing this morning. If you don't have a Bible, always grab one there in the pew rack in front of you because we want to have all of our hearts open before the Word of the Lord. And this morning, uh, as we're studying God's attributes, it's not surprising that we're back in the book of Psalms, the Old Testament worship book, because David and others wrote lots of songs celebrating the attributes of who God is and what He's like. All the attributes are the divine perfections of God. Who He is perfectly, these attributes tell us who He is and what He's like. And they show us that He is God, a God who is worthy of praise. That's what we've been doing this morning as we've been singing and celebrating. And so it's not surprising that we come to another song to worship Him because of who He is. And, and, and to highlight one of the attributes of God. You know, it's in light of who God is that we know who we are. And so... If we're going to be like the object we worship, I want to make sure I've got the, the right object in, in my view for worship. Amen? And so in Psalm 90, we have a very old song. Now listen, a lot of the songs that we study in the Old Testament in the psalm book were written by David or the sons of Asaph. But this song that we're studying today, if you just look under the, the title there, this is a song of Moses. A song of Moses. You think, wow. Uh, I mean, we know when they walked through the Red Sea, they had a song that they sang, praising God. So Moses did write a couple songs along the way. But he wrote this one not when they went through the Red Sea and, and saw their enemy defeated behind them. This is the song that he wrote after God's people made it right to the edge of the Promised Land. In the margin of your Bible, you could write Numbers 13 and 14, because this is the moment in Kadesh Barnea. This is when God brought his people right to the edge of the promised land. It was right there before them, the promise that he had given to Father Abraham that this land belonged to them and that they would be there, they would dwell there. And, and as you know what happened in that story, they sent 12 spies in and, and they spied out all the land and they came back and 10 of the spies said, listen, we, we can't take this, we can't. We can't go into the land. They were fearful. They had what some call grasshopper syndrome. You know what that is, right? We're little grasshoppers. And there's big giants in the land, and we can't take this land. It's too great for us. And, and there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, and they said what? It's ours. God's promised it. Let's go. Our God can do this. And as they were there and they heard the report, and they were right at the cusp of going in and enjoying all that God had promised them, they decided they couldn't do it. And what happened? God said, well, I've got to judge this people, and so it's time for them to do laps. And so for 40 years, they start marching around in the wilderness, 40 years, and Moses writes this song in light of that. For 40 years, Moses has to watch a funeral march. For 40 years, everyone who's 20 and younger has to, is going to live. 20 and older has to die, except for Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they had faith. All of a generation has to die. And during that time, Moses writes this song so that Men, listen, and women who lacked faith, a generation that wouldn't go in because they didn't believe God was able. He has to watch them live and die meaningless lives. And so he writes this song. And he says, you know, for the days you and I have as we live our lives, they don't have to be meaningless. Those lives don't have to be meaningless. When you live your life in the light of God's eternity... 
God's eternal nature. You can make uh, your life, your days can have significance if you live them in light of the God who is eternal. Now, we don't always think that, particularly when we're young, right? We're young. We've got the whole world before us. We've got big dreams and starry eyes. And, and, you know, we can do all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, you get older. And time is sped up. Or at least that's what they tell us, right? It seems like it goes faster. And, and we, we have to learn that thing called time management, right? Because we forgot about that. And, and we realize, you know, I've squandered some of that time. I haven't accomplished some of my dreams and the things I wanted to do. I, I maybe haven't been as productive as I had thought I should have been. And, and so then we make our bucket list, right? Because we got to get those things in, right? Before we kick the bucket, right? Or, or maybe we need to finish that honeydew list, right? Oh, honey. Time is that one commodity that you can't replace. I mean, when it's spent, it's gone. And it's healthy to have a right understanding of our days, however many we may have. And we need to understand them in the light of the God who has an eternity of days. The one who is eternal, the one who transcends time. And, and, and if I understand who He is as an eternal God, then I have an understanding of the days that He gives me on this earth, and I can live them in a way that is profitable. I mean, don't you want to do more with your time? You're young, you're ambitious, ready to take on the world and make a name for yourself. And what if tomorrow God says, that's it. This is your last day on earth. And you and I didn't know that. I mean, David would say over in Psalm 139 that before you and I were born, God wrote all your days in a book. You see, God knows the dash. It's going to be on the, the tombstone, right? On the gravestone. He knows the beginning and the end for everybody. He knows the dash in between. But we don't. None of us is promised tomorrow. Isn't that what James says, James, in his epistle? Yeah. Life's like a vapor. It's there. It's gone all of a sudden. What, what if God said tomorrow it's over? Everything you were living for. And yet some of us, listen, we're in the second half of life, and we're looking back and wondering, where did it all go? What do I have to show for it? How many more days does God have written in my book? I mean, yeah, we, we call, you know, over 50 years in the second half. I prefer to think of the second quarter. I really don't like the second half, right? But how do I make the most of those days that God has given me? And yet some of y'all are in the golden years. Amen? Your hair shows it. Or the lack thereof. Amen? Yeah. We're there and see you say, well, I've done everything I can do. But you know and you realize, you know what? Every day above ground is a day to be grateful for. Amen? And, and to realize, you know what? I still want these days to count. Well, how does that count? How do you make it count? Well, you and I can make our days count, whether we're young and ambitious, whether we're in the second half or second quarter, or whether we're in the golden years. We can make them count if I take my days and I put them in the light of the God who is eternal, who has an eternity of days. And that's what Moses is going to teach us today here in Psalm 90. So no matter how old we are today, how many days we've lived, how many years we've lived, let's, let's put this in the light of who God is as the eternal, everlasting God. And let's learn today and let this truth transform our lives so that we can make most of the time, however much time you and I have left remaining on this earth. You'll stand with me in honor of the word of the Lord. We're going to see what Moses has to say about the God who is timeless and that time really is eternity in so many ways. Lord, 
The great I am, that's the name for the I am right there. Ready? That they just sang about. The great I am who still is. Lord, you have been our dwelling place, refuge, in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood and they are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. And in the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You've set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our life are like 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it's soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Gracious Father, may your spirit speak to us today. God, let us have listening ears and a listening heart right now because this truth can really change every day that we live. And Father, may we learn not only that you are eternal, the everlasting God who has an infinite number of days, but God, may we realize our, our stance before you that the time that we enjoy right now is tied to eternity and can impact it. And Father, may we live in such a way that our lives do impact eternity. And Lord, if there's one before me who doesn't know, as Moses has said, that you are our refuge, our place of dwelling and security. God, may today be the day that they discover by repenting and placing their faith and trust in you that they can find safety and security for all the days that are before them. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated this morning. Moses is writing a lament. Sad what he has to see. Just imagine 40 years watching people die. And before we consider our days, we need to understand that the God who has an endless number of days, an infinity of days, I have to understand who he is and what he is like. I mean, Father Abraham is the one who called on the name of the Lord over in Genesis chapter 21 when he was planting that tamarisk tree in Beersheba. He called on God and he said, you are El Alom, the everlasting God. That was kind of important because, see, God had made a promise to him. And when he had made a covenant with him and made that promise to him over in Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, it was repeated. He said, hey, Abraham, this is an everlasting covenant, not just for you. Before your seed, your descendants, those who come after you. A promise that comes from me. And so it's not surprising as he's worshiping God, you know, everywhere he went, he built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. And he tells us a lot about the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, he calls him that. Uh, El Elohim, the, the God who is the everlasting one, the everlasting God. He, he's calling on the one who made an everlasting promise, a covenant to him and to his children. This is important for him to know because he is the same God, Jehovah, right? 
The God who doesn't change. The God who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is the same God that appeared to Moses. And Moses says, hey, listen, God, you've been our refuge. You've been our, our hiding place. You've been our protection. It, it, for all generations, you've been the God that we run to and find refuge. And even now, we need to run to you and find refuge. Even in this midst of this judgment, we need to run to you, covenant God. And as he says this to him, he says, listen, let's understand who God is, his eternality and what he's like for however many days we got left. He says, this is what eternality means. It means that God has no beginning or end. But even more than that, it means because he has no beginning and no end, he never changes. And we'll talk about immutability in a couple weeks as we go through these attributes. And as God has no beginning and end, he knows the beginning and the end and everything in between. He sees the past, he sees the present, he sees the future, all as an eternal now. And because he made space and time as the creator, he can enter into that space in time. And he can interact with us as we experience time. But for him, he doesn't experience it like we do. Don't project on God that which we experience and think he's like us. No, he wants to make us like him, though we'll never be a God as he is. But we will have eternity to enjoy with him and discover what he's like. God has no beginning or end. That's why he's frequently called what? He's the first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You find that in the book of Revelation. You find that highlighted in the book of Isaiah. Frequently the prophets would say this. And, and, and what is it significant of that? It means that God has never has a beginning. He doesn't have a start. He doesn't come into being. Remember we already studied that God is ase or he is self-sufficient. He is the ground of all being. He just always is the great I am. You remember geometry? Oh, what a joy, right? Do you remember a line segment? A line segment is something that has a, a beginning and an end. And it's the distance in between. Do you remember the ray? It, that's something that has a beginning but goes on forever. And you remember what a line is, right? It stretches forever and ever in both directions. This world that we live in, it had a beginning. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Second Peter tells us uh, in Second Peter chapter 3 that it will have an end. It will burn up someday. It has a beginning and an end. Now you and I who are born in this world that have a beginning, has a beginning and end, we have a beginning. We haven't always been. But we became. God gave us life, right? And, and we have an end. We're like the ray. You see, listen, I know on the gravestones it says that you and I have a date that starts and a date that ends. And while it's not chiseled on there yet, we know our loved ones have experienced that. But our life on this earth is not a line segment. It's a ray. Everyone is born and will live somewhere forever in eternity. Either in the eternal presence of God's grace and goodness and everything he has prepared for us in heaven. Or experience, if you haven't repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you'll experience his eternal judgment in a place called hell. But everyone has a beginning, but no end. Every soul. And then there is God who is like the line that has no ending. It, it has no beginning and no ending. And so those math concepts that we understand, they, 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 they help us understand a little bit about God's eternality and our days. And how many days we have on this earth. 
God is eternal. He has an infinite number of days. That's what Moses is saying. Listen, listen, God, before the mountains were born, those pillars that you placed on this earth, yes, we may cut the trees off them, and they may look a little different up there on Brushy Mountain, and we plant some more apple trees up there. But the reality is that mountain still stands there today. Before that mountain was born, came into being, listen, before God created the heavens and the earth, He was. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He's eternal. He gave birth to everything that we see around us. And yet the stark contrast is you and I aren't like that. We have a birth day. In fact, Moses, as he's writing to this generation, he's, he's lamenting. He's, he's thinking about the days that they're going to expend. Walking for 40 years, a generation, 2 million people or more, dying left and right. As another generation is born, another generation that will go into the promised land and enjoy the promises of God and will be reminded, listen, embrace, go forward in faith, take God at his word. In fact, think of even Joshua, right? As he's walking, he's, he's going to be the one that Moses' mantle is going to fall to, right? He's going to have to lead God's people in. And as they're walking there, just reflecting on that, God, you're the eternal God, the God without number of days. It's infinite, the number of your days. But our life is so short. In contrast to the infinity that God has, our life is short. Man has a birth date and we, we have, a, have an end date. And why is that? Well, it's the picture that he says here. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. You see, the picture here is that's judgment. It's judgment for sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Uh, it's appointed unto man once to die and then what? The judgment. This is the consequences of sin that we all face. Death is a reality. We're all terminal. All right? I know we think we can out-medicate it. We can out-exercise it. But you know what? It's a point of demand. We're all going to die. It's going to happen. Let's live in light of that, right? Not be afraid of it, scared of it. But let's make sure we understand that there will be a day when we die. And there's an eternity after that. Even in this world we live in right now, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a, a denial. Even if there's something hereafter. This is all we let's... Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die, right? And world lives like that. But not the Christian. You and I don't live like that, because we know there's an eternity of days. God is an, an eternal God, but my life here on earth is short. There's going to come a day where you and I, just like Adam, and, and all that he lost there in the Garden of Eden, one day, because of sin, the paradise that was lost, because of Adam's disobedience, in Adam, all have sinned, it's you and me, we're going to die. But every generation... Every generation needs to live with the reality that I do have some time on this earth, but it's very short. It's a vapor. How short is it? It's amazing in comparison to God. Moses says, you know what? A, a, a night watch, just, just a day for you and for me, that if a day to God is like a thousand years for you and me. I mean, you stop and you consider the, the magnitude, just the sharp contrast that, that he's painting here. That, that God has this endless amount of days, and yet you and I don't. We're here, and we're insecure even as we walk our days on this earth. But we're trying to find security, and the only place you're going to find it, listen, is not in your wealth. It won't be a tower that will protect you. God, his name is the strong tower to run to. He's the refuge to run to. If you realize that, that I, have, I don't have a limit, limitless number of days. I'm limited. 
God is, my life is short. It's kind of like I was reflecting on this, just trying to think, how do I think about that and, and, and how God sees all of those days that I experience? You know, the past, the present, future. He sees all of that at one time. It's really amazing. I was reflecting on it, doing what all men do on Saturday, watching football. And as I was watching football, and well, actually, I wasn't watching football because there's a rainstorm in Raleigh. And so, you know, like, well, what's on, right? What other games are on? And you pull up that TV guide, right, that comes up on your cha- channel, on your TV right there. And it shows all those different channels. I mean, we have so many channels of just meaninglessness, right? All those channels. And then across the top, it shows the, the 6 to 7, 7 to 8, 8 to 9. And, like, you can scroll ahead and write, well, what's coming on since we're in a rainstorm? And whether the games are on. And, and you can try to figure that all out. I start thinking, man, that's like God, isn't it? He, he stands outside. Imagine all of those channels are you and me and, and, and someone over in China and someone around the world up in, someone in West Virginia, all the different people in the world. Just think about all those billions of channels. And God sees every channel, right? And he knows ev- what's programmed at every time. And, and he sees it all. He doesn't look, well, I need to go ahead and forward a little bit ahead of time and, and record that since I'm not going to be able to see it. No, no, no. He sees it all. Every millisecond of all of that. This is the eternally... The eternal God, the omniscient God who knows all things. And, and for him, it's all, he sees it all at one time. Wow. Oh, don't try and put God in a box. You can't figure him out, right? He's so beyond us as you stop and think about that. And, and in that moment, I, you know, you start to think, that's why it says Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I thought he died 2,000 years ago. Yeah, he did. But from God, when God sees it, He knows the beginning to the end. He knows everything in between. Yes, Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God knew before he even made us that he was going to have to send his son to die for us. What an amazing God. And you and I are just trying to figure out tomorrow, right? If tomorrow comes. I mean, we've only got today. And some of us are just trying to figure out the next minute. We don't even have that yet. We've only got right now. My life is so short. Your life is so short. And and the nature of life is it's just fleeting. It's just running by. There's just a few days compared to the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of God. I mean, the average lifespan in America is 78.3. In the world, it's 67.2 years. Moses, he lived to 120. When you stop and think about this, God didn't really put him to work till he was 80. So if you've got your golden years, get ready. Right? And really, I mean, Abraham, he lived 175. Methuselah to 969 years. Just stop and think about Moses. If he lived just 80 years and he writes this song after he sees the judgment of God, he's already, he says, God, your days, that'd be like 29 million days. Wow. What an amazing God. And I can't just give him my few days and put them in the light of who he is and what he's like. I mean, life is precious, right? It, it, it matters. It, my life should matter. My life is, is like a dream. It's, it's like a river. It's swept away. It's, it's gone. It's like the grass that, that comes up in the morning. By the evening, it's gone. You can just imagine. The, the, the sun came up and, and dried it up, and, and that flower faded, and it was gone. Moses says, oh, that we might understand our limited life on this earth in the light of who you are. Are. Your life is too short to miss out on God's blessings. Our life is too precious to waste it on meaningless pursuits. 
everyone in this room, everyone watching online, listen, you have potential, incredible potential. Don't squander it by not walking through the door that God opens up before you and realizing the blessings that he has before you. You know, I'm always amazed when I call someone and say, hey, what you up to? Well, I'm just killing time. Killing time? How can we kill time? When we squander it, right? Our, our God, listen, our God is a God of life. We're to thrive with the time that he has. The other, Satan, the liar, the deceiver, he's a destroyer. Yeah, he wants to destroy time. He doesn't want us to enjoy life as the creator made it. And, and we should be doing, as Paul would say, redeeming the time, right? Says, just realize, life is short. Make the most of it. Why live with, with, with conflict? Why live in, in, in butting heads, whether you're, listen, spouses or parents and children or your, your co-workers? Why live that way? Why not make the most of what God has given us? He's highlighting this. Listen, life is short. And you know what? God's going to judge sin. One day, listen, sinners live anticlimactically. He says, notice this. We, we have been consumed by your anger and, and by your wrath. We're terrified. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. All our days are, are passed away in your wrath. And we finish our years like a sigh. I mean, you may give us 70 years with strength 80 but soon it's cut off and we fly away. I mean, stop and think about this generation. They have witnessed Almighty God destroy all of Egypt. All the ten miracles that he did. He's led them out into the wilderness, destroyed their enemy behind them. Fed them manna, fed them water from the rock. They've grumbled and complained, boom, here. And they get to the edge of the promised land. Oh, this is it, the promised land. All the promises are there for us. But because of lack of faith, it's gone. Just like that. That opportunity. And what happens? They do laps. Let's go. Laps around the wilderness. Oh, there, there it is again. Haven't we seen that foundation mountain before? Yeah, let's go. And a generation has to die. And sometimes the things we live for and we spend our time for, we think, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to accomplish that. And then, boom, it's gone. Life is gone. If I'm living sinlessly, living selfishly, listen, I need to realize God's going to judge sin one day. It's going to happen in my life. Sinful man stands under the wrath of God. Jesus didn't come into the world to, to, to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. He came to redeem it. He came to set us free from it. But, but we have no resource here. We, we, we have no way to... Oh, it's God. He, our, our sin is before him. His anger, his wrath. If we don't deal with our sin, his iniquities are wide open. Listen, it says there in verse 8, our secret sins are in the light of your countenance. Listen, I know, you know, we, we think we can clear the cachet, right? And no one will know. But God does know. Nothing is hidden from him. He sees it all. So that we have no excuse. We can't hide. We may hide it from others. But God's not fooled. And life is so futile. Just when I think I'm going to accomplish something, then we die. And so for 70, 80 years, is that all you get? Is it just sorrow? Is it just labor? Soon it's gone and our soul flies away, hopefully to heaven, amen. But it's going somewhere. We already established that. We're like the ray. We have a starting point, but we'll end up somewhere. 
forever. Heaven or hell. Those are the only two destinations. If God is eternal, and I'm not, and if life is short, and the things I may be living for aren't really going to bring me ultimate joy, then I need to really pay attention. I need to realize what God is trying to teach me. I mean, he says over in Ecclesiastes, right, 3.11, that he has put eternity in the hearts of men. Even though men may not recognize the eternal God and his judgment of sin, the wise Solomon says, listen, realize God has set eternity in the hearts of everyone. They realize there is something after this, whether they acknowledge it or not. In fact, the sum of it all is he gets to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes when he's speaking to a younger generation. He's saying, you know what the sum of all of it is? Remember the creator in the days of your youth and fear him, reverence him. That's the same thing that Moses is saying here. What Psalm is saying. Lord, who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What's a heart of wisdom? It fears God. It says, God, you're God and I'm not. And I need to live my life in the light of who you are. And if I'll do that, then listen, my life can be blessed. It doesn't have to be meaningless. I mean, I just stop and think about Moses as he's marching with these people. And you know what? Their lives, are, they're not going to enjoy that promise that God has for them. But that doesn't mean their life has to be meaningless. In fact, you know what? Their life can be very meaningful for another generation. While they're dying, you know what they can say? Hey, listen, let me tell you the stories of who God is and what he's like. Because we saw his power. We saw what he did. But don't be like us. We lack faith. And we didn't experience the promise. We should have gone forward in faith. But you can go forward in faith. In fact, when you go into that promised land, he's a God who's able to do amazing things. He's able to defeat your enemies just like he defeated our enemies. In fact, as that generation dies off, they still have the ability, listen, to speak into the lives of that next generation. And to say, go forward in faith. We didn't. I mean, listen, some of us, listen, as we look, whatever year we are in our age, 60, 70, golden years, it's not too late. And you, you could isolate yourself and, and just say, well, this is all I got. I'm just going to enjoy it myself. No, 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 no. You could influence the future, a future generation. Part of that is, listen, saying, don't make the mistakes I made. That's healthy, by the way, for a generation, younger generation, to hear from their parents and grandparents, too. Man, I wish I'd done this. I, if I could go back, I would have done this. I wish I would have trusted God and, and moved forward and taken him at his word. But it's not too late. You can do that, and you need to trust him. And that's what we need to do. We, we need the older generation, listen, pouring into the younger generation still. It's not too late. In fact, tonight, you know what? We're going to start Grow Tonight. That's not just for children, preschoolers, students. It's for adults, too. Uh, you stop growing, right? You die. That's how it works. And you have the ability to influence other lives if you'll embrace it. We need to pay attention. Whatever I've got, Lord, let me have an, whatever days I've got left. I want to count those days. I want to make the most of today. That's what I've got. And I want to have a heart that fears you and reverence you. I want to learn because you're a gracious and a merciful God that I can still, I can still experience that mercy and grace. In fact, he's asking for it. God, show us compassion. Show return, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. You satisfy us with your mercy. Why? That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. He's writing this and they're going to die. And not experience it. How can that happen? Well, you know what? If you can pour the truth into the next generation, 
I think you can find joy in it. I think you can. By remembering God's grace and God's mercy and his compassion. Don't you wish someone had done that for you and me? That had poured that truth into me? And said, man, don't make this mistake that I made. Trust God, fear him. Obey him when he says go forward in faith. This is the opportunity before them. In fact, what's amazing is he turns a lament into a petition. He turns something that's sad into something that has hope. He, he turns it around and he says, listen, this is how we should pray. I, I, I want God to return. I want God to have mercy. I want him to change his pronouncement. I want him to renew things. And, and I, you know, I, I want God to enable those who are present to find joy and gladness in the midst of this plight. And, and how do I do that? He just has a little prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. Let your work appear to your servants. I mean, even though God has just judged his people, Moses is asking God, God, show us your work. We're not going to go in. Oh, by the way, Moses is going to have to pass the mantle to a Joshua. And Joshua's going to have to go in believing that God is still the same God for him as he was to Moses. By the way, what does it say in Joshua chapter 1? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Right? So do what? Don't turn to the right nor the left. Go straight ahead. Believe the word. Be strong and of good courage. Go forward in faith. And do, and you will prosper. Man, I bet Moses burned that in his heart as he walked with him and gave him the word. And we have that ability to do that. God, show us what our work is. It's not too late if you have breath today. If you and I can go and have life, our work is still here on this earth. And God has a work for everyone in this room, everyone listening on the radio, watching online. God has a work for everyone. It's just like those channels on the TV. Whatever your channel is, the question is, am I, is that work, am I doing the work? Listen, or am I building my own kingdom? What am I building? Whose work am I doing? Because God has a work for you. You're uniquely gifted and given gifts and the talents and abilities for where you work, where you live, what you do. God made you unique. He made you with a purpose. Man, wouldn't it be good for our children to learn that in schools today? Wow. They have dignity, potential. And there's a work for you if you're a servant. God, show me what it is. Reveal to me what it is. Moses, accomplish. Show me what it is you've called me to do. Because while I have time, I don't want to wrestle. I want to make the most of my life. I want to rest in God with what he has for me. So God, show me, show me my purpose and let me yield my heart to the work you have for your servant. A servant says, listen, not my will, but thy will be done. My ear is inclined to what you would tell me. So I commit my works to you, Lord. And you know what a man does that commits his works to the Lord? They're established. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will do what? Direct your path. God's got to work for everybody. What is it? God, show me, make it known. And then I love the second part. <laughs> let your work appear to your servants and let your glory be to their children. It isn't enough just to let the work appear, but God, whatever that is, let it be glorious. So amazing so often that our kids go, wow, that's awesome. That's God. Am I living, listen, with a supernatural explanation that, that, that my kids have to say, Dad, you didn't do that. God did that. I should be, right? Walking by faith, 
My, my reach, extending my grasp, trusting, believing. Now, I'm not saying presuming on God something, but genuinely seeking the face of God. I believe this is the work that God has for me and going after it with all I've got. Realizing it doesn't just depend. The horse is prepared for battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. I need God to do it. And, and I want my kids to, that when I, well, when they stand up here and give my eulogy. I want them to be able to say, he believed God was able to do amazing things. Because he is. Can we not inspire a generation? They saw it with their eyes, y'all. And they didn't go forward in faith in that critical moment. But they could relate to the next generation. Moses did, by the way. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. Torah. Moses gave that. And that tells some awesome stories about God, doesn't it? Clearly. God, make your work known and make it glorious. And then, stop and think about it. If you're going to do the work God has for you, and it's beyond your ability, it's glorious, so awesome that your kids are going to go, wow, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, that's awesome. You know what you're going to need to do it, to accomplish it? God. That's why he says in verse 17, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. That word for beauty in the Hebrew has the idea of favor. God's favor, God's empowerment, God, God you making it happen. God's smiling upon us. Hey, by the way, how does a man and three sons build a great big boat? God's favor. There's no other way. How does a woman, listen, who, who's, who's, who's young and she breaks a cultural taboo in order to preserve her nation, and who knows if she won't do it, God has someone else that will. Her uncle tells her. But Esther does it because God's favor is on her. How does, how does a man, listen, who fears God and doesn't care what the, the godless culture around him says, but just becomes an influential leader in a pagan society, Daniel, God's favor was on him. God's favor, beloved, is what enables us to do what he calls us to do. And we need it each and every day. And again, he has a mission, a purpose for everyone in here today. Something only you can do. He puts you in that position, at that place, in that school, on that job, in that neighborhood, on that team. He puts you there for a reason. Not for you to build your kingdom, but to build his. To advance the gospel. To make him known. God, make it awesome. God, make it happen because of your favor. And then, you know, we can't do it because apart from him we can't do anything. So we desperately need him to do it in us and through us. And as we do that, what will the world think? Well, what, what will, oh, what are you doing? What are you trying to, you'll never do that. That's impossible. Oh, come on. You don't know my God. <laughs> Let me tell you what my God is able to do. He can do anything. Nothing's impossible with him. All you need is a few individuals. Listen, they're weak, impotent, but they're desperate for God to do something. And he's the almighty, the omnipotent one. God, make it happen. And then the last thing he prays, and he says it twice, establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, the work that we do it doesn't always last long, right? I mean, we're builders, whether you realize it or not. It's not just that, you know, the baby boomers and the builder generation. It's not just the generation that's builders. We're all builders. You know how I know this? Go into nursery sometime. Just watch what kids love to do. Just be in nursery. If you go over to the block section 
right? Grab those out. I can remember when I was a kid and with my little brother. And you stack those blocks up, and what does a little toddler with two years old come do? Kick it down, right? And then what do you do? He's waiting. He backs up. Build it again. And you build it back up. Boom, right? And then you get older, and you get Legos, right? And how much money has Legos built and made, right? I mean, Legos. There's all those different Lego sets. We just build and build and build. And you can be a creator. You can build creatively. Or you can follow the plans. Either way. And they have pink ones now, too, right, for girls. It's amazing. And then, we, you know what, we get a little older, and, and, and you start going to school, and what do you do? <clears throat> you build all those projects. You remember those projects that you built? They haven't lasted, have they? But, man, we glittered them up and did all those things and made them look, woo, mom and dad helped us. And then we got degrees, right? We went to school and got our degrees so that we could build things, whether they're bridges or roads or buildings or businesses or just lives and livelihoods. But they don't always last. I mean, tell me which skyscrapers outlasted the pyramids, right? They don't, they don't last. And I've seen the pyramids. I've seen the Sphinx. And, and they're kind of getting worn with the sand and time, right? They don't last. But what, what is something you and I could do for the kingdom of God that would last? What is something that, that lasts, that touches eternity? Anything? I mean, it, Pastor Chris, you said stop. This is a line segment, this world. It has a beginning and it has an end. It, it started, God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's going to speak a word and he's going to say a new heaven and a new earth, fire. It's all gone. How do we touch eternity? There's only two things that touch eternity. You know what that is? I'll give you a hint. Let's think. Let's let the word of God um, help us. Not one jot nor tittle will pass away from this. An eternal God has spoken in an eternal world, which says whatever he says is relevant for every age, every generation. Yeah, you can pun it and say, ah, that's the Hebrew word buzz, which means scoff, right? And have no regard for God's word. Or you can believe, you know what? The eternal God has spoken. This lasts forever. Do you know what the other thing is that lasts forever? It has that other little geometric um, uh, picture, right? The ray. Everyone has a beginning, but beloved, your soul has no end. It's going to be somewhere forever. So what if we did our labor in such a way, no matter where we are, listen, whatever springboard God gives us, whatever opportunity, whether you're a teacher, whether you work as a plumber, whether you work as a lawyer, or whether you work as a doctor, whether you work as a pastor, whether you work, whatever, whether you're just building a home, hardest job in America, right? A homemaker, ladies. What, what if you're, God, the work you have for me that will last that will be established is to take the word of God that's eternal and unite it to a soul that's eternal. Then what happens? Wow, you just touched eternity. That work will last. That, that's why the ministries that we do, we, we want to take the word which shall not return void. It'll last. The, the purpose for which God sends it, it will be accomplished. And we try to unite the word with the hearts. Of men. I mean, it's, listen, that missions building at a warehouse, it's, it's just the springboard, the opportunity to find a way to find more opportunities to pour the word into people's hearts. That's what it's about. It isn't just about being benevolent and good, though that would be a testimony to a good and gracious God. But, but, but along the way, 
We're not just paving the road to hell for people. We want to share the gospel with them and help them to understand and discover the truth that there's a God who loved them and sent his son Jesus to die for them, that if they repent and place their faith and trust in him, they can be saved. And they can experience an eternity, listen, in his presence, enjoying all that he has prepared for them. And they don't have to experience the judgment, the condemnation that they're currently under, which will be separation from him eternally. This is how I live in the light of eternity with the days that I have, making my time last Working in such a way that my life, my actions, listen, I'm working beyond my days because I'm living and looking and living for eternity. My time can touch eternity when I'm building something with really eternal permanence. And the way that my life will matter and not be wasted on empty pursuits is if I find ways to link up those two things that last forever, the word of God and the souls of men. Then my, my days matter. I'm counting my days, man making them count for the Lord. And it doesn't matter how old we are, because none of us knows how many days we have before us. I only have today. And, and, and every day, just living, you know, he could come back today. I want him when he comes, if I'm a servant, God, show me your work. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were on it. You were about my work, not your own. You see, praise the Lord. There, there's grace and mercy today. Our God, listen to this. He is the God who can restore what locusts have eaten. Woo-hoo. Have you read that before? You mean you squandered some time. This is our God who can redeem it and reclaim it. If we just come to him and say, God, I need grace and mercy today. I just want people that don't have refuge to find it. And you're only going to find that refuge in the Lord. That's why he started the psalm, right? God, you have been our resting place, our dwelling place, our refuge. Our place of security. Our place, listen, that haven where we can find hope and we can rest there. Do you have that today? That's why he came. That's why you're here today. You didn't know perhaps in when you chronicled your time, you didn't know that you would be here today, but God did. And God knew you would hear this word. The question is, what do you do with this truth that God has given you? It's maybe the first time you've ever been at South River Baptist Church. Maybe the first time you've ever been in a church. But God knew you'd be here. And he knew you would hear this word. And the question is, what are you going to do with the time he's given you? You may not have used it for him in the past, but you can use it for him in the future. But you've got to surrender to him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm yielded. I want your will, not mine.